0: finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. What is the secret recipe to living a profitable life? A life that is about more than just the amount of money you make. And how do you live that profitable life every single day? Well, in this episode, entrepreneur and author of the book, Life Profitability, Adi Pinar, shares with you why you need to create what he calls a life portfolio.
1: You're listening to Millennial Money with award winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story. And unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado.
0: This episode has left a mark on me for good, and I know it's gonna do the same for you. So you're familiar with this idea of an investment portfolio, right? Whether it's stocks, bonds, retirement accounts, etc., it's just money that is put away. That is hopefully growing in value over time. But what about the idea of a life portfolio? A collection of all the things you love in life. Family, hobbies, career, money, giving back, etc. The whole you. And then feeding those things daily so you feel fulfilled. We can't escape the fact that money always helps. But isn't your life worth more than the amount in your bank account? 80-story, really inspires me. For him, selling two multi-million dollar businesses just wasn't enough. He was an entrepreneur because he wanted freedom. Instead, he was stuck in a destructive cycle, almost losing everything in his constant search for more. Then he changed his mindset, his expectations, and his life. Adi needed to make a change, and through that change came this idea of creating a life portfolio detailed in his new book, Life Profitability. So by the end of this episode, you'll know why you need a life portfolio, how to create yours, and truly how to live a profitable life. Let's dive in. Well, Adie, I am so excited to have you on the show. I know you're coming to us. All the way from South Africa. So I'm I'm very happy that technology is allowing us to connect today. So thank you for being here.
2: Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me, Shauna. And the good news for everyone that um, has ever doubted, uh, Google just announced, I think about two months ago, that they're spending uh, quite a big chunk of money, especially in the greater Caton area, to further add undersea fiber optic cables. So um, I am here on a fiber optic cable at this stage, uh, but it should be getting even more connected and better for everyone wanting to connect with awesome people in Africa pretty soon.
0: That's really good to hear. (laughs) I have a soft spot for uh, Cape Town, one of my best friends, uh, used to live there and in 2012 I actually went to Africa for the first time went to Kenya and went down to Cape Town and just absolutely fell in love and and can't wait for the next time I can I can get back to H- How are things in South Africa during these like these crazy times right now
2: Yeah you know it's a, I think um I, I would say it's okay but I think in saying it's okay um, I, I have to acknowledge that you know South Africa has one of the highest, if not the highest, uh, Gini coefficient in the world. Um, I believe is what we call mm-hmm. so, yeah. it's actually kind of that disparity between um, you know b- average or upper kind of you know, middle class and kind of poor people. Um, so I hundred percent acknowledge that my experience of the last year or so in South Africa probably does not mirror kind of you know millions of other people's the biggest of people in in South Africa is so. I'm fortunate in that sense. Like my family and I have had many great kind of bonding experiences and, um, you know, financially we were lucky not to be severely affected. So, um, I think like that's the per- you know, first perspective. And then in terms of how we're doing, I think the, the bigger question is how quickly our government at, you know, at this stage can start, um, or at least accelerate a vaccination program.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's hard to believe that not even a year ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Sometimes I think that the last year was like the longest year ever. And in some ways, it also was the fastest year. I mean, it's just one of those like really crazy, strange anomalies, I think.
2: Yeah, and I think like that's probably the trick for many people, right? Is to eventually like when we get beyond. And I want to say this year, I think this phase, right? And um, I had a, a really good friend over the weekend say, uh, "You know, this is never really going to end. Like once this pandemic stops, we're actually just like you know a little closer to the next pandemic." And that sounds morbid, but I think these kinds of disruptions in what we consider normality is probably a big part. Of our future, and again, like I'm, I'm a super optimist. Um, but that was an interesting take, and I think what that probably means for me is, if I have to look back at the last year, is because I had that same sensation you described there of this felt like a really long year, yet it passed so quickly. So to actually identify those good things um, or memorable things, at least they might not even be good. But we don't have to judge them, but memorable things that actually did occur, because that is still the truth. And um, you know. Uh, Kind of holding on to that truth and you know building our future on on that foundation of the truth, the things that actually did happen those those memorable things you know from yeah. the last year or so,
0: yeah, that actually like really leads into we've got a lot i want to I want to talk to you about today, but I think if anything really came out for me over the last year is reevaluating what The idea of success means for me in all different areas of my life. I think if I'm talking about money, I usually ask people to really sit and and figure out how much money do you need to actually make to live the life you want to live versus some random number that maybe society tells us we need to make. It's a very simple and yet complex question. So, going back to success, kind of thinking about it at large, how can we? individually figure out what success really means to us or what our version of success is and, and, and and be okay with that.
2: Yeah. And I think you mentioned something, something great there, right, which is just that notion of uh, when, like, money still makes the world go wrong. At least the kind of the, the society we live in, you know, can live in. There's also physics, et cetera, at play that actually makes the world, you know, turn around. But, you know, in, in terms of the kind of, you know, the way we operate our daily lives, money is a big component thereof. And there's no denying that like, There's no philosophy or, or ideology, like, or anything that I can pose here that takes away that, you know, from that fact. But I think you mentioned something very important, which I think is part of that success, which is like money is, is I don't think money is ever the end goal. Um, like wh- whoever wants money and has some kind of monetary goal, they ultimately want something else, right? Whether it's something se- seemingly simple, like, you know, you want to buy a Ferrari or, um, you want to clear your student debt or you want to travel the world, like, whatever the case is, like, everyone wants something else. And I think we should be optimizing for that something else versus, and you mentioned the, like, arbitrary, um, kind of monetary number to, or goal to, to strive for. So, I think the, for me at least, when, when I think about success then is once I have that, the almost that future vision of money, I try and trace that back, um, to what it actually means in my daily life today. And what that physically means is I think, you know, for many people, um, you know, I, I've heard many people say, you know what, I want to make a million dollars because then I will be able to take that island vacation and I can take my whole extended family along. So, What I actually hear them say is family and time with family is important. So yes, you don't necessarily have that kind of money to do that exact thing with your family right now, but what else can I do in my daily life today to start integrating parts of that? And I think all of us have like multiple parts and components to life and our kind of ambition professional work, like monetary pursuits is just one of them. And I think success is about being able to say, here's that fullness, that full life portfolio of things that I need to invest in every single day. Just like you would kind of you know, balance a, a proper financial investment portfolio and making sure that all of the investments get the necessary attention, right? Whether it's more investment, less investment, et cetera. But just thinking about that on a kind of broader life kind of basis and saying, here's all those components, whether it's family, my work my hobbies, um, philanthropy, whatever those things are. And then feeding those things on a, on a you know, daily or weekly, doesn't matter, but trying to get more, you know, more to back, kind of back to today and the present rather than having this long-term goal that we may or may never actually get to.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much there in it. It really, it always uh, sparks this curiosity in me of this relationship between success and happiness. And I don't know quite how the messaging got told the way it did for years, which was that those two things were, you couldn't have both of those, right? You either were happy in your life or you were successful. And whether you ran your own business or work for a company, it didn't matter. Those two things could not... Go together. How, how do you think we got to this point where those two things were so separated?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I think um, I think it's a modern day society thing, right? And I think what the first part of this that we should acknowledge here is that you know capitalism as a model is a man made model, man made, human made, yes. and I think to that very nature, we should acknowledge that there has been no perfect human being. Um, ever in kind of, you know, on in this universe. So inherently any ideas that a human has come up with has had its flaws. And I think when capitalism and, you know, first, you know, came to rise and we started creating, you know, from the kind of barter based, you know, markets we had, et cetera, and economies evolved, we probably didn't foresee that kind of people are inherently a little bit greedy. Right. We we plus we have this whole idonic you know, kind of adaptation thing where you know the the more we get the less we you know are actually grateful for the things <laughs> we have. Right, and I think probably and again I'm all over in terms of the dots I'm connecting here. I think all of those things kind of plays into the human ego and for anyone that's ambitious, whether it's kind of related to money or whether it's about impact or whether it's about creating art, right, out in the world, I don't think we would do those things if we didn't have ego so ego is an important part of this but it probably creates a this that disconnect between you know pure money and pure happiness um, purely because I, I I don't think like those two things are almost directionally oppositional even though there is an overlap in those things um, so I think that's the the right. that's probably like where I would start to investigate where this happened right was just that when our kind of forefathers and mothers decided that this was, this was going to be the model that we adopt in our society, and this was going to become the predominant model in our society, we never foresaw that um, there was going to be so many other things that happened in the future. And today, for example, I think the, the biggest challenge, and probably more so for, you know, for teenagers today, but we have, we have incredible access to information, Right. Whether it's social media or just news outlets, which means we're constantly comparing ourselves. Right? We're constantly seeing this entrepreneur yeah. sell their business for X, or that entrepreneur raising Y, or you know this teenager that kind of has more followers or likes than kind of that teen- teenager at school. So we're like we're constantly reminded almost of our imperfections, our flaws, our inadequacies. Whereas in the past it wasn't like that. But again, that creates that that constant striving of then saying well i if I just had more money then these other things would also be true for me and I think that's that I think that's a fallacy in its own right um but I think that's where that kind of energy and that discontent starts happening
0: and i I love that you bring up that that fallacy between money and and having a quote unquote wealthy life which I talk about a lot on this show because I think it's really important that that message is echoed over and over and over again and you, you have this great story. I'd love to talk about it a little bit. I, you sold two businesses for multi-million dollars, a lot of money, really in search of of freedom and and redefining, I think. You could tell me a little bit better, but really redefining that success and happiness kind of correlation, if you will. Tell me a little bit about, about your journey and some of these changes that that you made in order to kind of come out this other side, looking at life from this different perspective. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting, from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
2: I mean, I think the the first thing, Shana, that I would kind of, you know, where I would start telling the story is I... I built the first product that eventually became WooThemes and WooCommerce during my final months at university, uh, way back in 2007. And by that stage, i had really committed to to taking a job um, in January of the following year, you know, post graduation. And I got started in the job six weeks in. I was earning the same on the side from, you know, these products that <laughs> you know my co-founders and I were building, to what my my corporate overlord was was paying me. And I did that exact kind of. That That math and made that exact decision, which was I wanted freedom, I wanted freedom in terms of what I worked on, how I worked on it, um you know with whom I worked, et cetera, so I made the jump um you know went full time in you know on the business, and I probably had this very linear or very i wouldn't say linear very narrow view of what that actually meant at that stage for me being an entrepreneur. the business was going well, it grew really well, and I think the first time that I realized something was off was when Eddie junior was, he was probably about six months old. And my wife told me at one stage, she said, do you realize that you are managing your son in the same way that you would manage any, any, anyone on your team at work? And I, I looked at her, I looked at her absolutely dumbfounded. And then she explained, she said, you know what? You're, you're constantly rushing from, you know, this email to changing a diaper to, you know, uh, being on the phone whilst you're kind of you know, giving him a, a bottle, et cetera. And you're never fully present with him. Um, wow. And I think that was the first, uh, the first stage, where, which I realized, like, this This very, like, I was laser focused on success at that stage. And, and not that I, I don't think I was, I, I don't think I was being a complete idiot in my rest of you know, life. But what I now understand, at least, is that very kind of, that laser focus on business success created a lot of collateral damage in other places in my life that I was totally ignorant about before because people were probably not telling me or I was not stopping for long enough and actually looking around me in terms of what damage I was actually creating elsewhere because the the biggest part of the narrative was, well, you know, 80 is you know, co-founder and CEO of this massively growing company, etc. So I think... That was that kind of that that first moment that I realized that there was a bit of a disconnect. But I was still young and relatively foolish, and I ultimately kind of I almost forced my way out of that business. Kind of con, you know, convinced myself that I was a wanted wonder, mm. and I needed to do something else um, to to prove that I wasn't a wanted wonder. And what most people don't realize is when WooCommerce sold to, to automatic the company, the parent company for WordPress itself, uh, about 18 months later, I was actually not on the cap table anymore. And I don't know what the kind of the Delta is between the valuation for what I sold, which was already life-changing to what my co-founder sold. All I know is there was a big Delta there. That was the extent to which this ego was still kind of right. running me. And you know what? Well, so I, I have no regrets about that part thereof because there was a box that I needed to check, which was I'm not a wanted wonder. So I never looked at the the financial part of it. But in that whole kind of exit of the business, there for for two three years, again I had created collateral damage. I I damaged um, you know a six seven year friendship with my co founders, which took immense effort eventually um, to and humility to eventually try and fix. You know years later, um, and luckily that's been the case. And I think the the last part of the story there, just in terms of the arc. Sean, um, is probably about midway through my second business, Convergio that I sold about 18 months ago, but about halfway through, I think about 2015. Um, I got to a point where most other things in my life started breaking down, where this very kind of narrow focus on ambition and just plowing and pushing forward created so much stress in the rest of my life that I almost lost kind of everyone and everything that was dear mm. to me. And it was, I think it, it was the grace of those people around me and a really smart, you know, therapist that got me into mindfulness, helped me understand that, you know, uh, monkey brain was on fire. <laughs> and I, 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 I needed to kind of, you know, relax a little bit. And it was only at that stage I said, this is about five years ago, five and a half years ago. No, I think it's only at that stage where, I really started broadening my perspective of what it meant, what what success would mean to me, firstly, and how my business, my professional work, actually fits into that success. That the one isn't the other. And that, that I couldn't always prioritize this one thing as the primary predominant kind of influencer of what my days, weeks, months looks like, how I feel at that stage. I needed to... Give these other things around you know around that, and the other things which are probably much more important in my life um significantly more investment in terms of my presence, my intention, my energy
0: right the the stuff that money can't buy necessarily. I love that I love that you exactly. yeah, I love that you mentioned mindfulness and therapy i'm a I'm a huge therapy fan, I talk about it openly, I think that. Sometimes we need help figuring out how we even feel. And mindfulness for me has been an absolute game changer. It's really, I talk about it a lot on this show about uh, money mindset and and thinking about things from a different perspective, I, even understanding why you think about certain things, why you think or feel certain ways about money and how maybe you can um, take the charge away or the stigma array and how by doing that, that really then changes the arc, if you will, uh, of your money, of your life in total. And that's the way I feel,
2: at least. Yeah, and, and that totally resonates with me, Shana. I mean, I, initially I got in a whole... I, I did what every kind of, um, you know, ego driven person would do, um, which was kind of had to (laughs) meditate every single day, had to read all kind of so many books about Buddhism and whatnot. And was eventually a friend, um, that was slightly further along on kind of a similar journey than I was. And he said, you know, 80, just remember that the pursuit of no ego is also just ego. Right. And like, that was a bit Mm. of a aha moment for me. And so I'm not like in terms of my mindfulness Kind of practice i I don't have a, a dedicated practice, but the thing that it has taught me is touching on what you, what you said is what I would call awareness just this constant awareness of firstly kind of what am I thinking and feeling, but also like expanding that to the, those others around me or the other things that are important because the I want to say unfortunately um but again i I don't mean to judge like the way I've just gotten to know myself and my mind is that I tend to have a, kind of two different modes. One is drawing on all these different stimuli in my life, connecting dots that you know other people's wouldn't you kind of wouldn't necessarily connect. And then I have ability to take that and I have kind of I can go really fast and really hard in a kind of very specific direction. And those two things have helped me accomplish many many things, but it's not conducive to considering kind of naturally considering those around me. Or considering kind of my own well-being necessarily. And that's where that kind of you know, the awareness of that mindfulness comes from is to to know when I'm in either of those states and just acknowledge that. And then to essentially remember that there are still other things that I need to keep in mind as well. Um and that's that that kind of just doing that, just I think for many people, just once you can exercise that that muscle, that awareness, and you you know where kind of whether it's ego, whether it's um you know, you know, subpar you know, thoughts or feelings um, kind of show up, just acknowledging them and understanding the moment you're finding yourself in relative to, to that as well. I think being able to proactively course correct and doing those kind of little micro kind of changes versus these sweeping changes. Like I said, I mean, when, when my life almost broke down in, in 2015, I had to make a kind of, it's a massive pivot. I had to kind of undergo a big change and I said, I was lucky in the sense that I could save um, everything and everyone that was dear to me, but in other situations I might not have been as fortunate because it was too big a change. It was you know too risky. Yeah. I think it's a much more it's a much safer, much healthier um, approach to try and iterate and proactively change things versus these big sweeping pivots in our lives
0: yeah, the sweeping pivots can be a little painful <laughs> to go through. I've been through uh, definitely a few myself. And I I would imagine that all of this has led to your new book, Life Profitability, The New Measure of Entrepreneurial Success. I would imagine that all of that has kind of uh, you know, been encapsulated in this book. But tell me a little bit about the book and do you do you feel like you needed to go through all this in order to be able to impart these lessons on other people?
2: Yes, I mean I think uh, there is no way that I could write the book um, had I not, you know, firsthand experienced at least some of these things, and you know, s- experiencing some of these things is is literally perhaps sometimes just deeply exploring an idea or a thought and trying to apply it and seeing kind of you know where that where that rabbit hole takes us. So it's not necessarily a actual action or decision at all times, but it is trying to kind of experience various things. So I definitely don't think I don't think I would have written the book if I had a completely different journey, for example. So the book, as you mentioned, it's called Life Profitability. And the, the term life profitability comes from the kind of very notion, borrowing from the financial term which we totally understand, which is financial profitability in our businesses, in our lives, in our investments. But trying to broaden that and trying to say, how can I build a business? How can I build a professional career that is not just financially profitable in the narrow sense of the word, but truly kind of profits my life? So being that kind of life profitable. And I, I wanted to write this because I, again, like I, I mentioned that I think, you know, capitalism is, is is flawed. I don't think capitalism is a bad thing. And I think that has created many of the great things that we have in our world in 2021 but i do see flaws with it and that's why i like i'm trying to put an idea out in the world that kind of remixes that a little augments that that notion of what a capitalistic society looks like by probably just going back to our nature and when i say nature i think one of the you know we always find models in our literature that has stood the test of time. And I think, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is is one of them. And I mentioned earlier this idea of this life portfolio, like all these things that are important to us. And for me, like if I can hit or check more of those boxes effectively, and, you know, work slash money slash professional ambition is just one of them, then I'm getting much closer to life profitability because then I'm probably doing things that are the closest to my, kind of your know, highest personal values right so and and for me yeah. like those highest values are like anything from my, my family and my home life right very prominent kind of value there there are also other things in terms of my character traits my kind of appetite for learning my appetite for challenges i, I know that i kind of i need to kind of be feeding those things on a regular basis because otherwise like just this 80 this unique version of me then I'm discontent. And at some end of the kind of spectrum, you know, little parts of my um, life portfolio is about being able to geek out about wine, like having a good glass of wine with good friends and then kind of geeking out <laughs> Nothing about Nothing that. wrong that's, with that. <laughs> I, angry, right? So, and that's, that's obviously insignificant relative to the value I kind of invest in this kind of uh, place in my family, but it's still something that needs to kind of be there. And If I compiled that whole list of things, like that is the life portfolio that I should be able to invest in by building a business that is not just narrowly kind of financially profitable, but broader kind of, you know, profitable in a much broader, wholesome, holistic sense and making it life profitable. I
0: love that idea of, of a life portfolio of thinking about, I think, Too often we think about money or career or family. We put them in these little boxes and we tend to, you know, put the lock in the, you know, we lock them away in these little boxes and everybody has all these little boxes and little boxes aren't necessarily supposed to go together. But if we think about it more as holistic, that all of these things need to go together and all of these things make you quote unquote, again, wealthy, all of these things make you feel like a person I just feel like that's just such a better way of of going through life. I know it's not always easy to to really see things that way, but I just feel like, gosh, that just, that just feels so much better at the end of the day.
2: Yeah. And you know what, the story or the, probably not even a story, the little hot take that I have here, because I think anyone that has explored what you described there before would probably have come across and would probably use words like work-life balance themselves. And I think, I think work-life balance is such, it's such a, I think the term has failed many of us, right? Many people that have tried to pursue work-life balance, and they've not found it. And I think the reason for that is what you just you know, described there, which is work and life are not these two kind of independent, separate things that are on two other sides, kind of completely opposite sides of the spectrum. And they can keep each other in balance, right? I think that's like, I think that's just wrong. Instead, I think work is just part of, kind of life because i also don't believe that either that we you know love to work or work to live so i think if if you wanted balance in life and again i think if we look at nature going truly back to nature right and the universe the the concept of things being in balance things being equilibrium like that is a natural occurrence so the fact that human beings us as human beings feel that need for balance that makes total sense the way to kind of get that balance is by make, kind of identifying all those things that needs to go into your life portfolio and then making sure that they can keep each other in balance and acknowledging to your point that they're not these independent isolated things, right? Because if I've had a crappy day of work and I walk out of my office, I am not as kind of your playful and friendly With my, right? (laughs) Or if I went, if if my wife and I went to bed angry at each other, right? I wake up tomorrow morning, I still feel a little kind of, ah, this, like this, this argument or this discussion isn't finished yet. And that creates a drag kind of on my productivity in my work because mentally part of me is still elsewhere, right? Which it should rightly be. So trying to say that kind of these things don't influence each other because they're isolated, I think kind of totally neglects the magic that is out in the world where if we were to illuminate more parts of this and we were able to kind of incorporate more parts of this in every moment, in every day um, of our lives, like I think that's where the magic is, the magic of feeling balance, the magic of feeling kind of happiness, the ha- you know magic of feeling content. I
0: love that idea, the magic, the magic of it all. And I, one of the things you talk about is – idea of understanding your impact, which I really love that. And I think we can also talk about that in terms of being an entrepreneur, but we can also talk about that in terms of just being a human being and thinking about how, how we can all make an impact. And I'm curious because I know that a lot of people listening think, well, I'm not 80. I've, I've not done what he's done. I've not maybe I won't be able to make an impact in, in that way. H- how can we sort of write ourselves with the with the feeling that all of us can make an impact and it doesn't necessarily have to be a big, huge, multi-million dollar business, but that we can make impacts every day in our lives and in other people's lives?
2: Yeah, I, I love the question. So, you know, a big part of um, my team and I, some context, my, my team and I went into a very specific market and we, we built email marketing automation tools for e-commerce businesses. And one of the things that we recognized very early on was the fact that we actually don't really like consumerism. And we acknowledge that we're building tools here that some <laughs> kind of, you know, some businesses, some brands would use to promote consumerism. And we tried many things in the business, leveraging the business, the product, et cetera, to try and change that. On a kind of much bigger, broader scale, and we totally failed at that. Like that—that that was, like that was our mission to have that kind of impact, and we just couldn't do that. And it was just after I started my mindfulness journey where I had this bit of aha moment, which was, okay, if I can't have that impact on that kind of broader scale, like, can I bring it back, kind of, you closer to home? And the initial kind of impact when I started changing things was going through that journey myself about being more mindful. But I then identified that I could probably be a much better spouse to my husband, uh, to my husband, sorry, to my wife. Right? <laughs> I got you. I got um, you. <laughs> thanks. Um, so better spouse to my to, to my wife. Better dad to my kids. But then what I could do is I I could structure the work we were doing as a team to ensure that kind of my team members experience a similar kind of. You know, where it's freedom or wellness or space that I was experiencing from the buis- business, because when that happens, I think we create these rippling, this rippling outwards effect, similar way to what which you would throw a small pebble, you know, into a lake and it ripples outwards. Like I think when we do good and simple interactions with individual people, right, that creates a ripple, and when all of us are doing, I can, I think, them rippling out because. Me doing that for you, for example, you would ripple out, I would ripple out. And eventually when everyone close to us is rippling out, you've also seen like when you throw two pebbles like close to each other and those ripples towards the edges start bouncing off each other and it creates this, again, this exponential like a little burst of magic and extra energy. And like for me... It, you know answering your question directly there i think that's the way to do it i think you know impact starts in the smallest of interactions generally right and you literally kind of you, you give what you have to give and oftentimes that is as simple as just being present right like i think that's the thing that most people forget is you know when we give our, you know someone else our time and true presence like being there just in that moment, like no phone, your know, smartphone, you know, pinging because this needs that or this sales notification, etc. cetera. But just being present there. I think that's that's already impactful in a world that so needs that. Like that's probably the first thing that all of us can aspire to be doing.
0: I like that idea of rippling. I think that's something you can really visualize and see how just your small daily interactions with with people can really ripple out and create change I love that idea and while we've we've talked about so much on this episode I want to encapsulate it a little bit this idea of of life profitability what would you say if there are one or two things we could we could do today that we could start doing today to really cultivate that idea of life profitability, what would those be?
2: Yeah. So I think there's, there's probably, there's two steps for me, Shana. So the first, I think is to truly take a step back. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey at this stage, whether it's, you know, somewhere kind of along an existing journey where you're thinking about starting a new journey, but just taking a step back and actually go back to that very kind of deep core place within yourself and, and truly try and answer those questions about like, what are my highest values? Um, and if anyone like wants to start there, I include parts of this uh, kind of, or well, I reference it at least in, in my book, but the book that helped me through that is um, Dr. John Demartini. He wrote a book, The Values Factor. Um, try and find like, even if you didn't want to you know, pay for that book or mine, both for good reads, slightly biased, but just try and find, He he, Dr. Demartini has 13 questions. That you answer yourself and you kind of almost meditate on it. Um, and I did it over the course of about a week where I added bits to it and it starts highlighting what those kind of values are. And once you have that, then you shift that to actually understanding how, like, if this were to play out, if I had to construct a life portfolio based on those values, what would it actually look like? And the reason I, I, I think that's always the start for anyone that wants to pursue greater life profitability, is when we are making decisions and taking actions that are closer to our highest values, they are literally just more, they come more natural, which means there's less friction, they're more energy efficient. And doing that in a world where we'll probably already feel and many listeners here feel they have never any to-do lists, that's kind of doing things that has that kind of natural energy that is energizing in its own right because it feels so natural to us starts creating space and once we have that space we can probably use that space and kind of redistribute that space in those previously neglected areas of kind of our life portfolio
0: i don't know about you but i want to live a profitable life and early in my 20s i was definitely more focused on pursuing money and that led to my own breakdown if you will like 80 shared but I think you don't have to experience a breakdown to want to live life to its fullest. So if this idea of a life portfolio, of life profitability really interests you, here's how you can connect with eighty.
2: Yeah. So the, the best place for most people would probably be um, to grab a copy, either paperback or a Kindle version on Amazon. Otherwise, most major retailers uh, should be carrying it. If you don't find it there, the two places to connect with me directly – is uh, I'm at AD, ADII on Twitter. The double I is because it's a nickname, and I chose it in the, in the year that the Nintendo Wii came out. Um, very clever kind of branding, branding strategy that I've had to clarify um, for the last you know, 13 or 14 years. So I'm at ADII on Twitter, or my personal blog is ad
0: Hey, thank you so much, friend, for checking out this episode. It means the world to me. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor share it with your friends, share it with your family members, and pass along the knowledge. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode.
1: Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags,